looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And so I'd like to know, where are all my keiki here today? Where are all my kids here today? We've got a couple up here in the front. All right, good. Why don't we have you stand for just a minute, and we're going to applaud you for being here. Would you stand? Let's welcome them here today. Bless you. Bless you. Over here. Hardly even want to think you're a child over there. You may be seated. Thank you. Now, here's why I did that. Most of our people are at camp, and there's such a large group that are here. We decided that we will pull back from our adventure time for the, te- for the youth and then not have the kids in here with us. So you'll notice that the kids, you kids, look up here for a moment. You have a very special little outline. And I put this together for you in a different color because you didn't come to be with your folks while they studied in church. You came to be very much a part of the action as well as yourself. So I wanted you to have this in front of you. So today, for this morning, I'm going to refer to you as pastor's pals. Can you say that with me? Pastor's pals. Now, you adults out there, you're going to be thinking that, well, this message is going to be dummy down just for them. No, it won't be dummy down for them, but I pray with all my heart that the message will be made clear so that the young people could understand that, but at the same time, thought-provoking enough for each one of us to come to a greater understanding of this whole concept of forgiveness. Now, young people, my pastor's pals for a moment, you probably have been in a situation where you had an adult that told you that you need to forgive your brother, your sister, or somebody, and so you're beginning to learn what it means to forgive and why it's important. But I'm going to tell you that if you don't really apply what you've learned on a forgiveness, especially today, the consequences as you get older are going to be a lot more challenging for you. Some of you that are on that middle road right now of forgiving and learning to forgive, I know that you've been in life a lot longer than the kids. And so perhaps for some of you, you have been beat up and spit out and and slapped around by other people and their lack of showing you the kind of respect and dignity that you should have as a human being. And so you're carrying all of this. And yet you've been taught as a young person that you need to forgive and it's very hard for you to do that because inside this inner conflict, I know I should, but you don't realize how hard I've been hit. And I realize that, that that could be a conflict for you. Some of you that are a little bit older in all of this, that you've already learned this, and so when things come at you, you've learned to kind of roll with the punches a little bit and rise above it and go on with life and not let it get you down. Let me encourage you to take what I'm going to share with you and put it into your mentoring file and use this as more material to help others because if a person does not forgive, the consequences and the results of it are huge in their life. And so to just ignore it or just to say let bygones be bygones is not necessarily enough. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to present to you three categories. When I'm all done, I'm going to ask if you could fit into any one, two, or all three of these categories. Now, I won't be so specific that you'll feel embarrassed once I give a category that you're in that category. But maybe in the three, you might find yourself. So kids, you listen up too, because this might be for you as well. Here's number one category, and then wait until I'm done, and then we'll take a survey here. You had been mistreated and abused by a family member or a family. Second category. You were unjustly accused and punished for something you didn't do sometime in your life. Number three, you were forgotten by someone that you had done a favor for them. In other words, you did something nice for them, but they forgot you in that favor that you did. All right? So you were neglected or abused by a family member or family, 
Perhaps sometime in your life you're accused of doing something or not doing something and you were punished for it by others and you're innocent. And then finally, perhaps you're in a situation that you've done good for others, but you were forgotten. How many of you could say you have at least fit into one of those categories in your life? Would you raise your hand? I think if you go down memory lane, you could probably do that. Well, now let me see if you can guess what Bible character, and I'll help some of you because you're at the beginning of your journey, it's in the Old Testament that would fit that category. Who in the Old Testament was mistreated and abused by a family, was unjustly accused and punished for something he didn't do, and was forgotten by someone he had done a favor for? Who can you think of in the Bible? Shout it out. That's right, it's Joseph. He'd been mistreated by his entire family and sold into slavery. He was unjustly accused and punished by Potiphar's wife and Potiphar. And finally, when he was in prison, he interpreted a dream by Pharaoh's cupbearer. And what happened? He was forgotten and left in jail for a few more years after that. Now, here's something else. Listen carefully. There's one more caveat of Joseph in the Old Testament that dealt with all of that. And here's what it is. He was still able in the midst of all three of those categories to grab a hold of the eternal perspective of what's happened to him. And so now I will ask you this. Have you now finally come to that fourth category where that you can say in your heart, yes, I've had these three come against me, but now I'm, I'm relishing in that when it happens to me, I immediately see that God is in control, a loving God who's sovereign, who has got a greater purpose in this, and whether I see it here or after I die, it's still okay because God is on the throne and he can do whatever he wants. Now, I know intellectually, academically, Perhaps even theologically, we know that to be true. But the next time someone cuts you off, what'll happen? I'm wondering how that'll be. This last, uh, yesterday, besides this camp, I had to do a funeral. So I had to get up early, come to the church, grab a quick shower, headed up to Mililani to do this inurnment, they call it. On my way up there, there's not a lot of traffic, except enough traffic that one guy had this huge Hummer. Do you know what a Hummer is? Okay, it's the uh, civilian version of an army vehicle kind of thing. And I'm watching this guy wiggle through traffic. Well, it's one of those unfortunate situations where two cars, are trying, vehicles, are trying to occupy the same lane at the same time. And unfortunately, one was a van that was carrying an entire family that kind of cut in front of this Hummer. Well, this Hummer then sped up, pulled in front of this van, slowed right down, and whenever the van wanted to move, that Hummer was going to just take that, that van out. And I'm watching all this happen, horrified. Now, I'm thinking for a moment right there that someone is not activating a forgiving spirit. And it can happen. And I look at myself. How many times that we might have that happen to us? When we were kids, we remember hearing our mother say such things as sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Or just give it time and, and you'll get over that. You'll get over that hurt. I think in reality, though, sticks and stones can hurt us. But sometimes it's the words that go so deep into our mind that it affects our emotions and it changes our life because of that. And we don't get over it so quickly. Sometimes those hurts are still with us today. I wouldn't be a bit surprised that anyone listening to this message, and we're talking about the hurt that you might have received for whatever reason, whatever category, you can even remember the person who did it to you and you can remember the event that it occurred. And so it's living with you even to today. I don't have to say, I suggest that you ask God to reveal someone you haven't forgiven yet. I believe that person's face is right there in our mind today. Now, I'm not here to accuse us. What we're here to say, it's there, but I want to get it out of there. I want to rise above this stuff. So what do I do to overcome this? Well, forgiving other people as a Christian, for those that know Christ as Savior, is not an option. 
God says that we are commanded that when we have been offended, that we must forgive them. And there's a lot of categories. You can't put it in a tight box, but how do you do it? When do you do it? How often do you do it? For whom do you do it? What offenses do you do it for? All of that is still wrapped up into God says that when we have been offended, that we must forgive them. That doesn't necessarily ever mean that we will condone what they did, but we must deal with that. So whether it's another person who's hurt you or whatever's happened to your life that has brought something to you that you couldn't control and has hurt you, our responsibility is to forgive them. What are a couple little simple consequences if we don't? Well, first of all, if I don't deal with that lack of forgiving spirit, it will affect me. We're going to learn about that in just a few moments. It'll affect my relationship with me. It will have an effect on me. If you are regarding bitterness in your heart right now, it is affecting you. You might say it's private, it's personal, nobody knows, I haven't shared it with my family, what happened, blah, blah, blah. If you have not displayed a biblical forgiving spirit, it is affecting you. Secondly, because it is affecting you that no man is an island, it has already affected people in your life. And more than likely, it is affecting relationships you have right now in your life because of something that has happened in the past that you have not released. And then number three, and you know where I'm going with this because this is most important. If that's going on, the greatest relationship that's hindered now is your relationship with God. Now, I want to say that God is loving, God is merciful, God is caring, God is gracious, and God is understanding what we've gone through because he knows we're in this sin-sick world. But he still says, you and I are to forgive. And when we choose to nurture and, and, and hold on to that grudge that we might have, and some of us don't mind having that grudge. It's kind of fun to have it because then we can pull it out and use it against the person if we need to. And we have the right to do that because they hurt us. So we kind of massage that. That concept is still hurting a relationship with God who says, Nyeh, you're not supposed to do that. So I hope that maybe today this might help you. So there's a lot in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that talks about forgiveness, and I'm going to try to reduce it to four Himalayan mountain peaks. So if you just could take four of these home with you and own each one of these, I believe it'll take you to that next level we prayed about. So here's mountain peak number one. Four reasons forgiving others is so important. First of all, forgiving others is being obedient to God. So I come right down to where the rubber meets the road. Do you want to obey God or not? And if you don't want to obey God, then continue holding the grudge. If you do want to obey God, then you need to deal with the forgiving spirit that you would like to have that you don't have right now. Would you mind doing this out loud with me, whatever version you have, or you can use your notes in your, on your outline there. Would you read Ephesians 4.32 with me out loud, everyone, together? Let's do it. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Now, if it's your Bible in your notes, would you go back over that again? And do you see those bold printed words, forgiving one another? Would you now run an X through the words one another? Just take out the word one another there. And above it, would you put the initial of the person that you still are wrestling with forgiving for something they did or didn't do or something they continue to do or not do. Put their initials there so it could still be private and personal with you. Now let me read it again and you just watch with your eyes and your heart and I'll read it to you. Here it says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving that person, just as God in Christ forgave you. Look at the next verse I put there for you. Would you read that out loud together with me? Colossians 3.13. Let's read that out loud together. And here's what it says. Bearing one another and forgiving one another. 
If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Well, we are never more like Christ when we are forgiving others. Now think about that for a moment. We are never more like Christ when we're forgiving others. All right? I'd like you to look up here for a moment because we have some new people on their journey with God. So let me help you understand a little bit about Jesus Christ and the richness of the concept of forgiveness that embodies the person and the work of Christ. All right. We who are Christian believe that Jesus Christ is God himself who took on the form of a human. So he was kind of like two in one. He was God at the same time he was human. So he had God traits as well as human traits. As God, he could raise the dead and walk on water. As a human, he got hungry, he wept, and he slept. All right, so we know that he was two in one. He wasn't just the greatest religious leader of all time. He did so many things that would prove that he was supernatural and presented by God. Now, we know that before he came, the wonderful Old Testament prophets tell me so much about Christ, so I'm really a Christian and believing in Christ because of what the Old Testament foretold ahead of time. So I owe everything of my faith and trusting in this Christ being God from the Old Testament. So now I embrace Christ. Now let's go back to, to the life of Christ and forgiveness. Now we know that Christ was born, Bethlehem, we all do the Christmas story. Most of us know about Easter, even though we might do the Easter egg hunts and all that jazz, but we know about Easter that that's the time we celebrate Jesus died on the cross, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again from the dead. You all know all of that. The problem is there are a lot of people who will teach religion in colleges and universities that will say that's the founder of Christianity, Jesus Christ. He got a raw deal, and he lived his life, and then he died, and there he is, and they say he resurrected. Not that they believe that he did or state it as a fact. They just say that's what they say he did. So they say that he's nothing more than a religious leader. Contrary to that, the Bible says that in the mind of God, God said man is so wicked, they're going to do so many evil things that the only payment for sin is going to be blood and the blood of Christ the Messiah that would die and rise again. Now, stay with me, Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a couple of interesting words. One of the words that we see in English is the word to forgive. Now, in the Old Testament, here's how that happened. They would take two animals. They would bring it to the priest. They would take those two animals, and it was different kinds. Goats, lambs, birds. They would then take one live animal. Now, children, listen carefully, and I say this delicately and kindly, but you still need to know truth in history. They would take one animal, they would slay that animal in such a fashion that there would be blood visible dripping. They would then take that blood from this deceased animal and they would take this live animal here, they would sprinkle and smear that blood on that animal. The priest then would look at these two and then take the live animal that had the blood on it and would release it. That concept was known as forgiveness. So when you see the word forgive in the Old Testament, it means to release. Now let's take that in the concept of, of Christianity and our, our everyday life. When someone violates us, we begin to emotionally release them. In other words, we do not stay shackled to them emotionally with the desire to knock them down, evil for evil, teach them a lesson, 
get angry at them, retaliate, we release them. Now watch. Most Bible teachers will stop there and say that that's all that it means. Actually, it's much deeper than that. When you release that person, you're just not releasing them so they can go out and do a bunch of other crud. What you're doing is you're releasing that person now to God and allow God to deal in that person's life rather than you and me who will never be able to do an adequate job of bringing discipline to that person. And so we then release that person to the Lord. That's Old Testament forgiveness, to release. Now we come back to Christ. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, his blood was shed, and what he did then was to grant full, complete forgiveness to anyone who will now come to him by faith. You recall when he was on the cross, they were betting for his clothes. They had already beaten him and spit on him and mocked him and abused him. And while they were there, he still said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So he embodies what forgiveness is. Now let's take forgiveness into the New Testament. There's a, a different word in the New Testament than the Jewish word. Jewish word, forgive. New Testament word, English, forgive. But this word means to hurl away. And that's interesting. One is just to release them. So you don't take the animal and throw them out into the field. You just smear the blood, you step aside, and you let them wander off. You release him. New Testament is to hurl. Now, does that mean I'm to take it and throw it? No, hurl has the idea of speed. There's a famous baseball pitcher. If you've been following baseball, he was awarded millions and millions of dollars for, for, for uh, uh, his salary last year because he was the number one fastball best pitcher. And shortly into the season, he hurt his arm so badly that he couldn't pitch the rest of the year. And so they gave him what they call the Tommy John surgery on his arm now so he can pitch again. He just started pitching after one year not pitching. And even now in training camp, his pitches are about 80 or 90 miles an hour. Those of you that know Major League Baseball, that's still a slow ball. But it's not a slow ball the first week in training camp. All the pitchers pitch slow like that. So they can't wait for this guy to continue to get better so he can pitch the ball at 90 to 100 miles an hour and to be able to keep it up for a long period of a game and to keep accurate while he does that. Now you're telling me, what am I saying all of that for? When you take a ball, you don't toss the ball, you hurl that ball as fast as you can. Now how does that fit into forgiveness? It talks about the speed in which you release the person. Not to carry the grudge. In fact, New Testament says, if you have a grudge against someone, you've got a problem, don't even go to sleep until you talk about it. Those of you who live within the Hawaiian culture, it's called Ho'oponopono. And what they do then, it says to make right. You have a problem. You talk about how it occurred, when it occurred, who did it, without negative energy. You sit down, you go through the whole thing so that both of you can get on the same page of understanding this whole event with the intention then of reconciliation or forsaking of that problem so that you can have a healthy relationship later on. Most... Hawaiian ho'oponoponos take a longer period of time. It's not that they don't hurl and get through it quickly. What they really do is talk it out long enough to make sure that there's a settled deal. But they do it quickly without going to sleep at night. And sometimes they could be up all night talking about this to get it done. So, Old Testament, you release the person to God. New Testament, you release them to God, but you do it as quickly as you can so that you do not get stained soon with bitterness. Why do we do that? 
because we're supposed to obey the Lord. Go back to those verses in your Bible or on your sheet there. I'd like you to circle the word bearing. The word bearing there means to put up with the other person. I thought that's interesting. Why does it say bearing in one and forgiving the other? It's so wonderful that God puts two words so close together in a biblical principle. Here's why. We have what is known as judicial forgiveness, and then we have what is known as a forgiving spirit. All right. Forgiving spirit is someone does something to you, and they keep doing it, and they're not going to change what they're doing. I don't mean they're beating you, slapping you, sexually abusing you. I'm not talking about that now, but I'm talking about the little things that they don't do. They forget you here. They speak this way, whatever, and no matter how many times you perhaps shared with them that that hurts you, it's not right. They're going to continue doing it. What do you do then? You're to bear them. That means to put up with them. And to do that, there's only one way you can do it authentically. And that is if you will continue releasing them and quickly giving them over to the Lord. Here's the most difficult phrase of all. Are you ready? Again and again and again and again and again and again some more. That's what the word bears up. I have to put up with that. Then the next word is the word forgive. That's more like a judicial forgiveness. This is where the person comes to you and says, I want you to know that I heard what you said. I hurt you. I offended you, either doing or not doing, whatever it is. And I'm asking you, could you find it in your heart to forgive me? Would judicially you then quickly say, yes, I grant you full forgiveness. I release you and we're going to do it right now. Boom. It's done and over with. Now, some of you might be asking, has that ever happened to you, Pastor? Yes, it has. I've, I've offended people. Hopefully, I've done it more ignorantly, and that's not an excuse, but I, I sure hope I don't do it willfully or, or, or maliciously, but you'll do it. The more you talk, the more you're in leadership, the higher up you are, the more people are impacted by you. It's, it's going to happen. I am so grateful for those that when they've come to me and told me that I've hurt them, that I asked them to forgive me, and I've really sensed that moment right then, a judicial forgiveness, and they have continued that spirit of forgiveness back to me. I hope you understand that. Now, boys and girls, I'd like you to listen to me here. Moms and dads, you might want to zone in for just a moment. Forgiveness is very difficult for you to do. There is a lady who is now in heaven. When she was your age, she really grabbed a hold of who God was and how important that human life is. And that every human life should be properly protected. She lived in the 20s and the 30s, and that's a long time ago. But in the 40s, she lived in a part of the world where that there was another group of people that really hated Jewish people. Hated them so much that they wanted to do things to Jewish people that no human being should have ever had done to them, whatever the ethnic background. But they were being done. She knew that each person was created in the image of God. So as a young girl, what she chose to do was to find a secret place in her house with her family to hide Jewish people when the evil people would come against those Jewish people. So she hid them in there. Unfortunately, but yet under God's providence, she was found out along with her family. They took her and put her in the same camps where Jewish people were kept. The camp's name? was Ravensbrook. She was in the camp with all of them. She was horribly treated by the worst prison guards you could ever imagine. She watched people starve to death, die because of illness and disease, be brutally hurt physically, and then finally 
put in a situation where they were to die before their time. While she did all of that, she realized the horribleness, and we would say atrocities, of that system of sin. But yet, one-on-one, -on -one, she did what she could to forgive them. So much so that when she was released and she could tell the world that concept of not only protecting Jewish people but forgiveness that she wrote a book called The Hiding Place and they made a movie out of that called The Hiding Place and her name is Cory Ten Boom now parents depending on the age of your kids I would encourage you that you begin to share that kind of literature with your kids so they can understand how horrible life is and yet in some measure to find a little flower of forgiveness in it and how much that really pleases the Lord. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.